Hello from ABA Annual Meeting 2017 in New York City. I'm Lawrence Galetti. Justin Miller. And we're on the road with Legal Talk Network. And we're back. I'm uh, here. Uh, it's our continuing coverage of the ABA annual event here in Midtown Manhattan. We're at the Hilton. And joining me today, I have Mr. Justin Miller, fresh off of CLE uh, in the city session. And uh, how'd it go? I thought it went very well. We got some great feedback. Um, it was very topical coverage on tax issues in divorce. So I think it was very much appreciated by the family law section and the New York City Bar as well. Now, the title of it was Top 10 Tax Tips for Making Divorce Less Taxing. So I'm sensing there's a lot of tax in there. But before we get to it, let me ask a little bit more about you. your bio. Where do you work? What do you do? Uh, I'm with BNY Mellon. I'm a national wealth strategist based out of San Francisco. And I work collaboratively with uh, other advisors around the country, helping clients and their families with comprehensive wealth management. Excellent. Excellent. Well, let's get into it. So just in general terms to get us started, uh, give us the 50,000 foot on your presentation. So the presentation uh, overall, the, the goal here is to help family law attorneys uh, with their clients that are going through a very difficult marital dissolution divorce process uh, to realize that taxes can have a huge impact on the financial situations of their clients after the divorce is finalized. And there is a lot of planning that can be done, a lot of issues that can happen if they don't pay attention to taxes. And we wanna avoid bigger problems down the road as well. And uh, so our focus isn't just on investment management in a vacuum. We wanna make sure that clients are paying attention to taxes as well. Excellent. So, you know, I, there's a lot to that. There's a lot to unpack. Uh, in particular, some of the areas to look for. What were you bringing up? So what are the key things you'd want to take away, even just to start there? And that is, uh, you've got to get other advisors working with clients in there early. It is not just an issue of a family law attorney working with a client, helping them finalize the divorce, and then making a handoff to whether it's a financial advisor or an accountant um, or a wealth manager. It's a matter of getting a true partner in there early that will not only help with the settlement process, given that most divorce cases will and should end in settlement, but it's making sure that the transition goes smoothly to make sure not just tax issues, but financial issues are addressed because they could have a huge impact on those clients for the rest of their lives. So uh, get an advisor in there early, but uh, what are some of the, uh, I guess, what are kind of some of the typical traps that clients fall into? Uh, so typical traps they fall into would be one, not paying attention to the tax consequences. I'll just give you starting with one simple example. Oftentimes with a divorce, there'll be a house involved. And we had a situation once where a family law attorney, we were working with that attorney and the client trying to uh, add value. And the other attorney who was representing the husband in this situation came in and said, I'll tell you what, if you give us a million dollars, we'll give you this $2 million house. Now, seems at first like that'd be an okay deal. But the problem is there was a $1.8 million mortgage on that $2 million house. So there's only $200,000 of equity. So if that client and the family law attorney gave them a million dollars, that would not be a fair deal. So they knew enough to say, wait a minute, there's only $200,000 of equity. Maybe we'll consider giving you a hundred grand and you give us the $2 million house with the $1.8 million mortgage. That's a great start. 
But when I talk about the need to pay attention to taxes, the need to get good advisors as part of the team in there early, we're going to pay attention to things like tax basis. And that means, what is your basis in that house? How much capital gains will you be subject to when you sell that house? In this case, the husband and wife had purchased the house more than a decade ago for 500 grand. It was worth 2 million. When that wife, years down the road, turns around to sell that house, yes, they have $200,000 of equity in a $2 million house, but there would be $1.5 million in capital gain. Not only that, there is a $250,000 exclusion amount, but she would have been taxed at 23.8%. That's the federal tax rate of 20% plus the net investment income tax, let alone state income taxes on that entire $1.5 million of gain. Her husband wasn't splitting this $100,000 of equity with her. The husband was giving her a future tax liability. And that's just one example of the types of things that need to be taken into account in a divorce. That's a lot of variables. You know, um, I was just wondering, you know, is it a good idea for uh, couples that are parting to do business plans for this? You know, you want to come up with a settlement, you want to avoid beating each other up in court. But it sounds like, you know, there's just, just the complexity. You know, most people are W-2s, but you get a business involved. And now maybe you have some partners and there's a buy-sell in play. So I would imagine that would make things even more complicated. Are you recommending like business plans or some type of pro forma or some type of way to document what this divorce can be worth before and after? So when it comes to closely held businesses, uh, it just makes divorces that much more complicated. And this is where family law attorneys, uh, once again, the importance of bringing in other advisors, other attorneys, um, having that extra counsel because just because a business is held either independently by one person, maybe there's uh, relatives that are partners, maybe that business owner, it's a family business and they can't give their spouse part of the business. Um, maybe there's other non-related partners who would not allow the business to go elsewhere. And it also depends what type of entity that you have, whether there are shareholders agreements, buy-sell agreements. It does get infinitely more complicated. It brings up not only valuation issues, which family law attorneys are very aware of and used to dealing with, but there's a lot of corporate issues and frankly, tax issues as well. How do you divide this? And also if you're not dividing the interest, but you're gonna value the interest and give something else such as cash, stock, securities for a non-prorata division, how do you make it fair? So that means taking into account future tax issues, basis, and a lot of other complicated variables. Well, Justin, I, uh, I have uh, one second to last question before the last question here. So uh, just in terms of what we're doing here at ABA annual meeting, and these, these podcasts that we're recording and distributing through the American Bar Association, want to bring immediate value to the people that attended and some of the people that could not attend. And so I want to make these immediately valuable to them. And so I think for uh, my second to last question, what I'd like to ask, you know, if you're, if you're kind of a new family law lawyer, it's been a little while, or you just or you just recently came over to the, the that area of practice, you know, and you've got some clients out there and things are looking like they're complicated. What is a, just off the top of your head, a good list of professionals that you think you need to get involved early with uh, when you have a client that's looking for a divorce? So for a family law attorney, one, uh, if it's, especially if it's a complicated divorce, you're going to want an accountant. Okay. Um, very likely you might want a forensic accountant as well to really delve through the numbers. Um, eventually, you're going to want an estate planning attorney. 
Uh, people are going to have to update their documents after the divorce, their wills, their trust, their powers of attorney, healthcare powers of attorney. The other key element, and this is where we get involved at BNY Mellon, you want to make sure you have a wealth manager involved as well. The key, though, is when it comes to investment management, all wealth managers aren't created equal. A key place where they can help is with a cash flow analysis. Is this going to be a good settlement? How do we help um, families or spouses get to a point where they are settling? And one of the challenges we find is that a lot of investment managers are not fiduciaries, meaning they're not required under the law to look out for their client's best interest. Now, it's a given. Attorneys, accountants, by law, have to look out for their client's best interest. If not, they'll lose their license. Frankly, they could go to jail. There could be criminal liabilities. But investment management, many investment managers who are not under the fiduciary standard, they can take an investment that will pay them more money and give their client a worse result. It's perfectly legal. It's a different suitability standard. So the key would be not to just get a good investment manager or wealth manager, but to make sure that their clients are working with wealth managers who are subject to what's called the fiduciary standard. Now, there is this new law being put out there with the Department of Labor. It was just extended again recently, and that is requiring all investment managers to have or be subject to this fiduciary standard. Uh, But the problem there is that only applies to retirement accounts. So everything other than a retirement account, even with this new fiduciary rule, even if it was implemented or when it's implemented, does not apply to things other than retirement accounts. So the key takeaways would be one, make sure your client is working with a good fiduciary wealth manager and two, get them in there early. The earlier you bring them in, the more value they can add. Excellent. Well, Justin, thank you so much. That's really informative. And I think our uh, listeners out there will get a lot out of it. So just one last question before we sign off today. You know, if if our listeners want to follow up with you, they have some questions, perhaps they want some advice on how to vet some of our, uh, you know, some of these extra professionals that we need to bring into the equation. How can they reach you? Well, what's great at BNY Mellon, we have a national practice group that is solely dedicated to working with family law attorneys and with clients who are going through the marital dissolution or divorce process. Um, I'm going to give you the name of a wonderful woman who leads our national practice group here at BNY Mellon. Her name is Kristen Nelson. She may be reached at 212-922-6511. Once again, 212-922-6511. Or her email address is Kristen, K-R-I-S-T-E-N dot Nelson, N-E-L-S-O-N, at bnymelon.com. That's B as in bank, N as in new, Y as in York, and then Melon with two L's, M-E-L-L-O-N.com. Excellent. Thank you, Justin. (laughs) Well, we've reached the end of the road for today's episode. I want to thank our guest, Justin, for joining us today and also our listeners for tuning in. And if you like what you heard today, please rate us in Apple Podcasts. We'll see you next time for another episode of On the Road with Legal Talk Network. If you'd like more information about what you've heard today, please visit LegalTalkNetwork.com. Subscribe via iTunes and RSS. Find us on Twitter and Facebook. Or download our free Legal Talk Network app in Google Play and iTunes. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer.